Hi, this is Beth Capici and welcome to the Never Perfect Podcast. I'm a psychologist and I believe that embracing the fact that no aspect of life is perfect actually makes us happier and healthier and motivates us to achieve more. It also helps us become more real and compassionate with ourselves and others. In my counseling office, I deal with a little bit of everything. So in this podcast, you'll also probably be hearing a little bit of everything. Not only professional advice, but also some of my favorite and least favorite personal stories. I'm also going to be interviewing people who are brave enough to share their stories with us. I believe that everyone has a lot to teach and a lot to learn no matter what their background is and in spite of their imperfections. You don't have to be perfect to be inspiring. Capici, and we are going to be talking about a very painful and difficult subject today related to depression, and it's the suicidality that often accompanies depression. This is a follow-up interview with a special guest named Christina, who has a lot of experience personally with depression and suicidal thoughts and struggles with passive and suicidal ideation. So a quick disclaimer or warning is this might be encouraging to some who have struggled with suicidal thoughts, and it might be really difficult or painful for some individuals who have struggled with this personally. And for those who might've been through a suicide attempt in their family or with a loved one, or even a completed suicide. So If you are seriously scaring yourself with suicidal thoughts, then this is definitely not meant to treat you or solve, you know, your, the threat or the danger, but really just to provide some information. So, so in talking about depression, thoughts of death or suicide is one of the 10 or 11 symptoms that are most associated with depression and the diagnostic criteria. So Christina has dealt with depression on and off throughout her life, and she will be talking about some of her experiences here in a few minutes. One distinction I want to make is between ideation and, or basically thoughts of suicide, then intent, which is an intention or desire to actually do it, but the desire to do it may not be accompanied with a plan or a method. And so when we treat people who have suicidal thoughts, we try to be very conscientious and careful about discerning the difference between thoughts, which are extremely common with depression. And those are very, very concerning, but not as scary or risky or dangerous because most people don't have intent or plan to do it. They just have ongoing thoughts or occasional thoughts. So, and a lot of people don't know how to assess that. And if you are really concerned, if you speak to a loved one who says that they have thoughts of suicide, you could always ask, 
you know, do you have any intention to do it or any plan to do it? And hopefully they'll say no. But um, if you if they can't say no and you don't really know how to assess that, I would call a suicide hotline or have an emergency appointment with a therapist or a treatment center. <clears throat> Most treatment centers do um, a free intake session. So, but hopefully that helps. And then we also talk about passive suicidal ideation versus act, uh, active. And there are people who would say things like, I wish God would take me. I wish I would get cancer. I wish that something would happen to me to kill me, but I wouldn't kill myself. And I've also worked with many people over the years that are really just angry that they've lived as long as they have, but they would never kill themselves. And you know, they, they can even be angry at God and just, I can think of one or two people specifically that would even pray and say, God, like, why am I here? I don't want to be here. Please take me. But for one reason or the other, they wouldn't do it to themselves. Sometimes they don't want to hurt a loved one. Sometimes they are scared of death a little bit, um, or scared of pain. Um, and other times it's like a moral principle or reason that they wouldn't actually do it. And I can talk a little bit later about what I do with people who aren't a hundred percent sure that they're safe and how I try to handle that, figuring out, do they need to be hospitalized or can they be safe until their next appointment? Or can they have a safety plan of people that they would call and things like that? So, so Christina, would you Talk to us a little bit about your experience with suicidal thoughts. Yeah, so I um, I always kind of had that passive thought of like suicide is always an option or like I wasn't going to kill myself, but like if I got cancer, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Or like if I was crossing the street and a bus were to come, I don't know that I would get out of the way. Like that yes. would be just such an easy way to not have to suffer anymore but I'm not going to do it. Like I'm not going to plan it and do it to myself. But like, if I didn't have to suffer anymore, how great would that be? Yes. And, um, so that was kind of like my life, my entire life until, you know, the last several years was always just like, Oh, how great would it be if I died? Mm -hmm. And, um, I always thought that was normal. And then found out like that not everyone feels that way. Um, Mm -hmm. but for me, that had just been such a, a part of my life for so long. Um, and then I definitely went through periods too, where I was actively, <clears throat> actively suicidal, like make a plan, pick a date. Um, I was going to go through with it and then wow. for whatever reason didn't. So there's, um, been peaks and valleys for sure. What were some of those reasons you didn't go through it? I can think of two and they're both like, I don't know. It was kind of like, I'm not a religious person, but it was almost like divine intervention in both cases, both cases. Um, there was one time I had like made a plan and it was going to be that night. And then I went with my sister to get emissions testing on her car and I was in the passenger seat. So I stayed in the car and the guy like got in to do her emissions test or whatever. And then he turns and looks at me and says, don't kill yourself tonight. And I was like, what? Oh, my goodness. What are you talking about? He's like, you just look really bummed out. And I was like, I don't, like, I don't even know this man. But it was like, okay, like, I guess I won't. That so, felt like a sign. Yeah, I was like, oh, all right. I mean, guess I won't. Wow. Yeah. Well, that was a big one. Yeah. That's, that's uncanny. And that was like 
uh, as a teenager, I guess. I cannot believe that. That's yeah. so uncanny. It was bizarre. And there was, um, I, I've talked about this one too on my Facebook and stuff, but the other one I think of is I was in Chicago and I remember I was laying in bed with my cats again because I did that a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was the same thing I planned all week. Like this was going to be the day I had said goodbye to my friends and family and stuff, like written letters and everything. And then I was like crying in the bed and, um, my cat jumped up with me and I said, I was like, one day it won't be like this. Like one day it won't be this bad. Like you will be with someone who will take care of you and like, who will be happy and stuff. And, um, he put his, I'm going to cry. <laughs> he put his paw on my arm and he just looked at me and meowed at me like, mom, it's going to be okay. Wow. And I like, couldn't see how at the time, but I was like, well, he says it's going to be okay. So let's just keep going. Those signs that just, whether you believe God or, you know, whatever you believe, fate, anything, just that those little things that seem so random that you felt like there's something keeping me here or there's a message I'm getting. Oh, I've never... I cry every time I talk about that cat, so that's why I'm crying right now. But yeah, I was just like, he knew and he just looked right at me and was like, it's going to be, it's going to be okay. Uh, and he was right. Like, and I was right too. I remember telling him one day I won't be sad anymore and things will be better for us. And eventually like they were. So that's amazing. Those are my two for sure. Oh, I love that story. I can see why you would cry. That's animals are a big part of your life. And yeah. He's the best cat in the world. Miss that cat. <sighs> I know we talked about in our last interview, the bands that saved your life mm-hmm. as a teenager. And oh, yeah. then there's an animal that saved your life. Yeah. I have, okay. I got his paw tattooed on my arm, like the exact spot he put it that day. Cause it's like, when I have a bad day now, I can just like, remember that, like that day just, he brings it all back. So is that where he touched you on mm-hmm. your arm? Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's so powerful. That's amazing. And then people that can save your life. I mean, even a stranger, like, yeah, that why so did he bizarre. say that? Yeah, he was like, you just look really bummed out. And I was like, well, I am. I was planning on killing myself tonight, so oh thanks. My goodness. Yeah. You know, and people just don't realize how much they can make a difference. Yeah. I mean, things that someone says to you to encourage you or just little things. Sometimes you're so, like, empty mm-hmm. and hopeless and depressed that... You have nothing there, but just one little kindness from an animal or a stranger or a song yeah. can, can give you just enough oomph to keep going a little bit. Yeah, I remember, and like I said, I felt like it was divine intervention every time. So, and not a religious person, but I'm, I am a very spiritual person. I believe uh-huh. the universe has a plan for all of us and things work the way they're supposed to. Uh-huh. And so another time I was driving home and I was like, this is it. I'm going to do it when I get home. And I was like, I won't do it if this song is the next song that comes on the radio. And then that song came uh-huh. on. And I was like, what Like, what are the odds of that happening? And so it's been like three times now being like, you're not supposed to do this. Like, there's some reason you're not supposed to do this. And now, you know, I mean, when we see how your life has unfolded over the last eight years since you've been in not full remission, but yeah. like it's um, endurable. Yeah. And, I, you know, that that brings up an important point, I think, is when you're in so much pain or misery, 
that I, our bodies just aren't meant to be in that much misery for a long All period time. of time. Yeah. Yes. And, and so this is an important thing for people to understand when they don't understand suicidality or they can be judging and say it's selfish. And I try not to get angry about that, but I don't agree with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't think of many, many exam, any examples really off the top of my head where I've heard that I would view as being selfish, yeah. but I tend to actually have an analogy that I would love to, or a metaphor to see what you think about this since you've been through such intense suicide, you know, intent and plan and everything. So I thought of the people who were in the world trade center when they were struck by the airplanes and the terrorist attack and the people who were stuck in those top floors and they were burning alive and hoping for a way out and realizing as you know things were burning and about to fall and calling loved ones and realizing there's no way out i cannot burn alive i cannot live like this i cannot sustain this pain and so they had to jump because they couldn't didn't want to be burning alive and they didn't see any way out and to ever think of those people as being selfish is just unconscionable that is not selfish yeah. and i think that the vast majority of people who seriously consider suicide are in that much pain that they are they are not thinking about anyone else except their pain they're mm -hmm. just thinking of how can i stop this pain and i can't live with it anymore so what would you say and i hope that that analogy is never offensive to anyone but it's the, the best one i've ever been able to really come up with what would you say how does that fit you or how would you change that or disagree or agree with it i agree for sure and like there's a poem i really love and i'll submit to you later it's called the day you died because you wanted to mm -hmm. and in it the poet says um was talking about a friend who had committed suicide and they say you didn't think the other side would be better you thought the other side would be nothing at all imagine choosing nothing at all imagine something hurting that bad that you would choose nothing at all instead yes so it's hard for like people to imagine being in that kind of pain that you would choose to just not exist instead wow exactly oh that's a really good way to put it. And I think it's so important for people to understand. The other um, really big misconception I've heard besides it's selfish was why wasn't I enough? Mm -hmm. I must not have been enough for this person to want to stay alive. And I just had to talk to someone this week whose um, partner had killed himself. And she, you know, is trying to look at building it's been years but she's been trying to build her self-esteem and she's trying to you know look at how much she has to offer and then she said but I must not have been that great because my husband killed himself and I must not have been worth sticking around for and I talked to her about the pain he was in and he was very very mentally ill and had addiction issues and had a lot of other issues that just, you know, I frequently ask anyone who's been through a major divorce, a major breakup, a major loss, a major career change, like any major disappointment, do you have any suicidal thoughts? Because after a major loss, it's very, very common. And then just with depression, I mean, it's one of the symptoms is thoughts and um, just a little 
piece of information that's important to know. They say the two biggest predictors of suicide attempts are hopelessness and previous attempts. So those are important things to kind of look for, um, you know, with, with individuals that seem very, very down. Um, and, and definitely, as you mentioned earlier, I think it's important for to tell people who are struggling with this, that this is a common symptom of depression, but this is not a common way to feel like to wish you were dead all the time. And I remember just took my breath away about five years ago or so. I was working with a high school student who had an accident and she hit a median or something. And like a signpost came through the car and it hit, went through the passenger seat. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, I'm so glad that didn't come three feet over. And she said, I'm not. And you know exactly what she meant. And, you know, it just took me aback. I thought, oh, my goodness, like she is struggling and suffering so much that she just wishes there was a way out. And, you know, I think we need to respect people a lot who have severe depression but are hanging on. You know, like these men that literally I can think of two whose stories just really resembled each other. They were just like, I just don't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. And and they literally pray that God would take them. And they're like, why am I here? But they just won't. Neither of them. They're just they're stubborn in a good way. They're like, I would never kill myself, but I do not want to be here. And, you know, I do think that some level of pain is a part of life. And life is just hard. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in life, but life is full of losses. And one of the podcasts I will probably do is on something called The Loss of Dreams. And it's one of the books I would actually like to write, which I probably never will. So I'm going to do a podcast. (laughs) But um, any thoughts on that? It looked like that might have struck a chord a little bit. Um, Loss of Dreams? Yeah, or even just those men who just prayed not to be here. Um, I mean, like I said, I felt that way forever. It was just like, it would be so much easier to just not be here anymore, but I'm not going to do something to hurt like my family, but like, it would be great to be dead, but like my family to not be that sad about it. Not that like my family wouldn't be sad if I had cancer or something, but I think it would be easier to swallow than someone taking their own life. And I think too, like we can, you were talking about, um, someone's partner had killed himself. And Mm -hmm. I think like, I must not have been that great. I think too, um, sometimes when you're suicidal, you, you are thinking about your family. You're thinking because you're depressed and you feel worthless and you feel like you are the worst person on the planet. And you, I remember thinking like my family would be so much happier if I wasn't here anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you, sometimes you, think you're doing it for your family. Yes. And you're doing it because their life would be so much easier without you. Yes. And that's not true, but that's how you feel. Yes. It's, it's irrational, but, um, and the case I mentioned earlier, that's one of the things I told the wife is I said, you know, he had, because of his addiction issues, he had put you through the ringer and he probably thought he was doing you a favor and it's, you know, it's amazing how many people will say yes, like whether they're caregiving for someone that's disabled or elderly or they're caregiving for someone that has a terrible addiction problem that really puts a huge damper on their life. 
they say, I would take that any day, the burden of this person and their mental illness or their addiction or their whatever disability to have them here, you know, and she would take him back in a heartbeat, even though I've talked to some of her family members and they, they were trying to remind her like, he made your life. He, he ruined so many occasions with his, 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 um, addiction. And, uh, but sometimes people with severe depression or, or addiction or anything, just think, Oh, they'll be better off without me. But people even try to find ways to feel guilty. Like those left behind blame themselves. Even like with suicide, it's super easy to understand how they try to think, oh, if only I had done this, if only I had known, what could I have done? I mean, the bargaining stage and the guilt, it's just, it's a hundred percent normal and understandable. But even with silly things like other types of losses that are silly things. Like if only I had bought milk the night before they wouldn't have died. And, you know, I, I should have bought that milk. And it's like, they just, it's like the brain looks for ways to think, what could I have done differently yeah. to have made the situation different? Suicide, it's like a, a hundred times worse. Yeah. There's a psychiatrist who asks people who are depressed, um, if you could hit a button, and there are two buttons. One is, I want to die. And the other button is, I want to be happy. Which one would you pick? Yeah. And... I don't know that anyone has ever said I would die because if they thought they could be happy, they would be willing to stay, you know? So, um, well, I wanted to share a few thoughts from a client, um, that had been chronically suicidal and her story really mirrors yours in a lot of ways from young childhood and early adolescence. Um, noticing that she was very depressed and having thoughts of dying from an early age and really serious in college, some of the things she said. Um, So a few quotes, she said things like that the idea of being just a person and just being alive today is so overwhelming and I'm going to be so depressed all day. She would just kind of wake up every day going, this is going to be another hard day and such a heavy, dark day and really hard to look forward to living when you just feel like every day you're faced with that. Um, She said in college, she would start making an X on the, a bad day. And so every day on the calendar that was bad would have an X. And then she said that she would notice on some months there would be two skips, just two days out of the month that didn't have an X on them. And a lot of dread just to wake up in the morning. She was measuring good days and bad days and just being kind of hyper vigilant to how she felt as soon as she woke up. And she started telling herself, I can't keep doing this and building up bad days forever. And she had always thought about suicide. And there were two specific days in college where she thought about it very seriously. And one of those, she sort of made what she called a half serious attempt and took several pain pills. And she wasn't sure if it would kill her, but she was willing to risk it. Can you relate to that? Yeah, I felt the same way. It was like, I just can't believe my whole life I have to be this miserable like mm-hmm. sucks for the next however long I live like I have to feel this way every day yeah I have to wake up and know like oh it's gonna be another miserable day like that's no way to live 
And it was just exhausting. I remember I used to think like, I'm not going to make it to 20. And uh-huh. I definitely like, I'm not going to make it to 30. I've heard that it was like, I just like, people. I can't do it. Like yes. there's no way I can live to be 80 feeling this way every day. Yeah. There's just no way. You know, I think that's where really comparing it to physical pain is important because most people have at least some experiences of physical pain, not chronic, but this is like chronic mm-hmm. depression yeah. that rarely remits. Yeah. And for someone, I mean, I can't even imagine I might paint my clients with fibromyalgia or, or even pain that is explained. That's just chronic. It's just living like that and so much suffering. I mean, and I had a very well-respected professor who had cancer and he knew he was terminally ill and dying and he killed himself a couple of months before he died. And everyone understood that. I mean, you know, we all respected him so much. And I really think that's another parallel to how people feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I see you're shaking your head. So <laughs> I just wanted to give you time if, you, if there was something you wanted to say, but you, you get that. Yeah. Like, it's just like, if like, you're going to be in that much pain every day, like why not just kill yourself, you know, right. versus having to feel that way. Like, and it's an invisible pain. Like people don't understand it, but like, if you're in pain every single day, like you can't imagine living your whole life that way. Yes. And not feeling like it's ever going to not be that way. Like right. There's no end to it. Right. And, and just again, the point of talking about this is not to excuse or encourage people to kill themselves. Right. It's to help people understand why someone would kill themselves because if they don't understand what debilitating pain and depression like severe depression or severe pain feels like they would not understand someone killing themselves but i would just like to urge people to say there's got to be something that can help you there's got to be medication or treatment or therapy or if you need to resolve some kind of trauma from the past or something or a dog a dog (laughs) yeah and I've had thoughts of telling people that I maybe have told one or two I'm like you can do anything like go on a road trip like run away like I don't care just get in a car and do something wild like go fly to another country (laughs) like just anything Um, but reach out and tell someone and and that's a powerful piece of what this client shared that someone told her in college who he was a young college student as well at the time and he had been through serious suicidal um, feelings and thoughts and plans and he had some wonderful advice for her that I wanted to share um but um and it kind of relates to that but so she said that she would compare her her experience to other people, kind of like what you said, like you just wonder, maybe this is normal. Everybody feels this way. So she would ask her friends, do you feel happy when you wake up in the morning? Um, she was just trying to figure out if this was normal. Like, does everybody feel like this miserable and dread the day? Um, and she talked about her, her lifelong battle with depression. She said, I was a melancholy child. Every day was sad and filled with dread and you were just going to be so miserable at the end of the day. Um, and, and just hoping but the hope kind of faded, like her hope would be maybe today will be better. And maybe at the end of this day, I could say this day was a little bit better, just kind of always hoping. 
And she said, like, sunshine helped. I've I talked to a lot of people that are very sensitive to their environment. I am, too. Um, I definitely struggle with a bit of depression on and off, not chronic, debilitating depression. Um, but I am very sensitive. If I worked in an office without windows, I can guarantee you I would be depressed in like a day or two. Mm. So I think that that kind of self-awareness of triggers and things that that help is are really important. Um and she said sunshine was something visual that was light and bright and happy and the rain was gloomy and that made it worse. And I do think that a lot of people need to be really aware of seasonal mm-hmm. depression and it kind of creeps up on you. Yeah, I mean, you get like seasonal depression on top of your normal depression. Yes. <laughs> it's just combined. Yes. And I probably should have talked about this in the podcast, but two of the main types of depression, besides bipolar depression, which is categorized as a mood disorder, you have... Um, you know, dysthymia or chronic low grade depression that's like subtle enough that it's always there most of the time. And you don't necessarily know that not everyone is feeling on the same level you are, that you might be like 10 degrees lower than everybody all the time or most of the time. And then there's major depressive episodes or major depressive disorder, which are more of these obvious dips for like two weeks. Um, or more. And, um, and of course there are different little sub types, but the obvious mood, you know, dips are easier to treat sometimes because you know, they're there. And then some people have what they call double depression, where you have the chronic low grade depression, like a low grade fever. And then you also have these intense dips on top of that. So, um, so you had said one of the times that we we spoke that you would wake up similarly to this woman I'm talking about and think things like, I hope this is my last day on earth. Yeah. Like every day I would wake up and be like, please God, let this be the last one. Like I don't want to do this anymore. Please just let this be the last one. And it wasn't like most of the time I wasn't actively suicidal, but there was still that thought of like, I do not want to do this anymore. Did you tell anyone? No. Why do you think? Can you help people understand? Like, why don't people talk about this? I, I don't know. I maybe I remember. I do remember. I told one friend. I said I don't want to be alive anymore, and she changed the subject. Oh my! And so I never brought it up again after that. Uh, and so there have been like other incidents where I don't I think people don't know what to say when you do say it. So then they they don't respond favorably. And so then you're like, well, I'm just never going to talk about it again. Right. You just never do. You keep it to yourself because you're like, well, they didn't understand it last time. So no one else will understand it either. That's heartbreaking because that takes so much courage. Like anyone who knew you really well would probably know that you kind of understate things. And I, I like to say this about some clients I'm like, or people in general, like some people, if they just mildly say, I'm struggling a little bit, you need to multiply that times 10 yeah. and other people that are, you know, maybe just a little bit more, more hyperbole or like, this was the worst day ever. And you're like, okay, let's probably divide that by five yeah. because they all, they say that a lot, you yeah. know, but with you, that was huge and monumental and you were reaching out yeah. in your understated way to say something huge, but your friend didn't know what to do with that or missed it. Or, yeah. She, yeah. She just changed the subject. Oh, and you know, that's, it's so hard. I mean, people don't have training in yeah. how to handle things like that. Um, did you ever think about calling a suicide hotline? 
I that's the other thing. I called suicide hotline once in high school, and it was a similar thing. Where like, if I say I'm having a problem, I'm having a problem because I like cover everything up. Yeah. And so I called suicide hotline because I was driving home and I was thinking about driving my car off the road. Ooh. And the woman said, "Well, there are people on a line with real problems, so <gasps> I'm gonna hang up." And then she hung up on me. Yeah. Because I said, I just need you to talk to me and distract me so I don't drive off the road because that's what I'm thinking about right now. And she was like, well, I can't help you. And she hung up on me. Uh, So I never called a suicide hotline again either. See, for people like you that minimize and kind of understate and you don't, you're not extremely emotional when you share that stuff. I I just wonder what advice we could give them because I have worked with people that don't know how to to accentuate or really do justice to how severe the problem is. Yeah, it's hard to be like, no, I mean it. Like, yeah, I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. Yeah, and it's so hard. Um, I, you know, one of the things I've used a little bit is like a rating scale, and yeah. maybe just don't give up trying to tell someone like, I know I may not seem as bad as I am, but like it's really bad. Yeah, like and. Or to say on a scale of one to 10, my depression is a 10. Yeah. And on a scale of wanting to kill myself, like it's a 10. And And I think like something that I have read about that I think is really helpful. Because even me, like I don't understand everyone's story. I don't understand the path everyone has been on. I try, but I'm not going to. I'm not the same as everyone. But something I read once is like if someone does reach out to you instead of um, just kind of Obviously, you don't want to change the subject or and you don't want to like launch into like, okay, well, I'm going to throw everything at you. Like I'm going to help you whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. You can say, what can I do to support you? Like, how can I help you? Yes. And then if someone asked me that, like I would tell them, mm-hmm. I would have told them this is what I need. Like send me funny memes. Like it doesn't even have to be anything big, but like, how can I support you? And then do it. Like just do what they say, what they're telling you, what kind of help they need versus just assuming like, Oh, they're fine. Or like, Oh, they need me to take them to the psych ward right now. They might not need that, you know? Yeah. Because no, not everyone is the same. What helps one person is not the same thing that might help another person. And so you need to kind of customize your support and, and ask them like, how can I, cater this to you and what would help you and believe them when they say this is what would help me more than what you might think or assume would help me and too instead of like rephrasing a difference of saying do you need help is there anything i can do because if you ask me that i'm gonna say no because i don't want to like put the burden on you yeah but if you say how can i support you how can i make your life easier then it's easier for me to say well actually it would help me like Yes. If you bought me food or yes. like sent me a cute picture of a duck, you know? Like, right. Like what can I do to help? Not, is there anything yeah. I can do to help? Yeah. An open-ended question. Definitely yes. Helps. Yeah. And maybe even multiple choice options if, you know, they don't, they can't think of it. Like I can stay here with you tonight. I can call your mother. I can take you to a psychiatric hospital mm-hmm. for an intake. But I use language with people like, are you scaring yourself? Mm-hmm. Um and are you 100% sure that you wouldn't kill yourself in the next year? Mm-hmm. And and it's surprising how people, and I know they don't understand the way a psychologist is supposed to address the situation, but they say, oh, I think there's a 90% chance I wouldn't kill myself this week. And they think I'm going to be like, oh, great. I feel good about that. Have a good week. And I'll be like, so that means there's a one in 10 chance you might kill yourself this yeah. week. And that is not okay. Yeah. And so I go down to 
are you 100% sure you wouldn't kill yourself before tomorrow yeah. or before our next meeting? And what would you do if you did scare yourself, you know, and, um, you know, it's, it's really hard. And sometimes you just have to send them to a, a treatment center for an assessment if they are like, I'm scaring myself. Yeah. Um, so this, this young lady who's older now, but when she was in college, her friend told her he had been through a lot of really scary suicidal moments. And, um, he had emailed her some stuff and said, I know that you can't imagine a world that you don't suffer from these things like you're talking about. And you may feel like you've tried everything and there's no hope, but she said that, I had a tiny sliver of hope when he told me, have you explored every option? Is there anything else that you could try that might help? And can you really say that there's, that you have tried everything, every therapist, every medication, every pet, every trip, every conversation with a friend, reaching out, treatment center, um, anything. And, and if you really can't say that you haven't tried everything, then please don't give up. You can't give up. And she said that I didn't really believe it would work, but I really did realize that I couldn't confidently say that I had done everything in my power. So kind of like that whole phrase of no stone left unturned, like there's got to be something. Um, And reaching out. um, And I think I said this earlier, but she said the idea of living like this and doing this until I was 80 was miserable and unbearable. The idea of thing, of not feeling better and things never getting better was just unbearable, especially the longer it went on. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely felt that way. And that's what, but the thing for me is I, I say, like, I used to wake up every day and be like, I can't believe this is the life I have to live. Like, I have to be miserable. I have to live this life until it's over. And I'm not that way anymore. Now I wake up and I think, I can't believe this is the life that I get to live. It's amazing. Mm. And so the switch has been so incredible to me, like to be able to look back on the history that I had and where I am now is like, I don't know. You're so different. Yeah. So glad that you didn't give up Yeah, and things did get better and, and having that hope, but you're the perfect example of how if you can just hang in, in there and just try everything yeah. that if you find that, that thing that really makes a huge difference. And in your case, it was your dog, yeah. but, um, and then that just turned everything around to where you had more joy and more happiness and more social activity and more energy. And it just, everything just built on itself. Yeah. It just fell into place after that. And it's like, it's amazing to me how different my life is and how everything has fallen into place over the last six years. It's insane to me to look back on. I love hearing about where you are and I wish we had time to go into it, but you are achieving your dreams and you found like this amazing purpose and career that fits you so well and that you're so passionate about. And it's really night and day. I mean, you went from like failing in high school and not even trying to dropping out of college in classes and withdrawing multiple times Mm -hmm. to now like making straight A's in a doctoral program, like a double, you're getting a double doctorate. Yeah. And yeah. And you're the vice president of your class. Yeah. I mean, and, and not that people have to have huge career successes to have an amazing life, but you 
went from where it was just hard to even put one foot in front of the other to where you like feel so passionate about what you're doing and you have the energy to actually pursue your dreams. Yeah. So I love seeing how you are and thank you so much for being willing to share. Yeah. I love talking about all this stuff because it's been like, I don't know, my journey has been so powerful for me. I like sharing it with other people too. And I think like even like you said, you don't have to have an incredible career, whatever, to turn your life around. You don't. But even now, like I have, it's amazing to me, all these little moments I have where I think like, I would have missed this. And it can be little stuff like saying, like I saw a whole field of morning glories one day and I was like crying like a baby. Cause I was like, you would have missed this. Oh my goodness. So that's like a big thing to me too, is like, look at what you would have missed if you had given up. So there's so much like, just little yeah. stuff, you know, so much beauty that you can't see when you're so dark Yeah, and, and you would have missed out on so many amazing things, including your dog. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have ever met my dog. I wouldn't have seen my sister get married. Like I would have missed so much stuff. And that's crazy to me to look at, like, I wish I could tell past yeah. me, like you were going to miss so much. And, um, if you leave now, like you will miss so much. Uh-huh. So like my life is so full of joy now. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Well, no one can see you, but you're in tears and <laughs> yeah. you're making me cry. Um, but I love that. And it's true. I mean, you would miss so much. And if you can just hang on and people that endure chronic pain, emotional and physical deserve so much respect. Mm -hmm. And I think that if they got the understanding and the respect that they deserve, they would probably hold on longer and they would get more support, you know, and trying to help them find a voice to explain to people what they can't see most of the time, you know, is, is important. But, um, yeah, you would have missed out on some of the most beautiful parts of this painful, but beautiful life. Yeah. And this world would have missed out on you and how much you have to offer people. Yeah. I'm trying to change the world. So yeah. And you're using your, your story and your suffering and your journey to help as many people as you can. Mm -hmm. And I love that you're modeling that and destigmatizing, trying to destigmatize mental illness and be as approachable because a lot of times people don't come out and talk about their stories unless they somehow have a safe path. Like mm-hmm. someone says, Oh, I had a miscarriage. And suddenly all these people you've known for years come out of the woodwork yeah. and say, I had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And if more people don't talk about their depression and their suicidal moments, um, they, they, they would be, you know, I guess just missing out and not offering others this huge source of comfort and encouragement to say, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. I've been there. I know pretty much how it feels. I mean, everybody's story is a little different, but I'm just so thankful that people like you are willing to share their stories and to be open and not worry about any kind of stigma because there shouldn't be a stigma. No, right. Like I worked hard. Like I said, I worked very hard to get to where I am and I, like I see other people struggling and I'm so proud of everyone I know who is struggling, going through similar things and still going like, yes. it's amazing. You're working so hard and I know that like you're in pain and it's not easy. I know that. And it doesn't feel fair. Like it's not fair that you right. have to work so hard, but you're doing it. And that's awesome. And, um, I think I'm just proof like healing is possible and your life can be full of so much joy if you just keep at it. Yes. Don't give up. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.